Yeah. So, so uh, there we go. So the key, uh, well, lots of great verses there. If you get to know me, you realise my problem when I look at that is, uh, so what do I say this week? Because I just see a whole series of sermons in 10 verses. Uh, when it comes to the amount of time, you could just keep going on some of those lines. But the, 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 the title, here we are, we'll bring up the title. I'm in charge now, am I? Of the PowerPoint? Yep. I'm in charge. Uh, beginning again and again and again, verse 19 in the reading, and not in that version, but it says, you how him again in the pains of childbirth. He's using that metaphorically, isn't it? He, he's not saying that he is literally going to have another child, but, but he's it's saying it's like that again. You were born. You know, we went through all this once, and it's like I'm having to do it again. Anyone felt like that in their Christian walk? You've had to go back to the beginning again. And, uh, and again, and again, as God comes along and says, you know, let's just take you back to the beginning again. Not quite the beginning, beginning. Sometimes it feels like it. To continue to grow Christ in us. To continue to grow Christ in us. Beginning again, and again, and again. Are you humble enough to begin again? Is repentance alive in our life that we'll begin again? We'll begin again. I want you to imagine, if you can, uh, a little table, just a nice little table, a little cafe table. It could be any sort that you want it to be. And you're sitting on one side, and somehow you manage to take out your heart, that which is, fills your heart the most, and put it on the other side of the table. What's left? What holds your attention? What captures your zeal the most? A verse that, is it going to be? Yep, there it goes. No, we've jumped it. There it is. This verse is what I was thinking of this morning and uh, sort of snuck it in here as we think about this, and uh, it's out of Revelation 3, and he says, Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Again. So I've done it once, but again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Again. I just added the again. It's not in the scripture. But he's writing to the church. So we assume, I think it's a fairly safe assumption, that they had done it once. So something had changed, and he's saying, again. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And across the table is Jesus. Jesus. One thing. Just one thing. Well, one perfect person. Just one. Just one. And experience tells me, my own and, and others, that we need some agains. This week passed. Just two of the areas where God has disciplined me. I had a conversation with somebody. They said some things about their perceptions of truth that I disagreed with. And I found myself trying to think of ways to convince them. 
and a little bit up. And, and I did fairly well at guarding myself. It wasn't quite as bad as it would have been a number of years ago. I went away and the Holy Spirit said, Paul, only I can convince the heart of truth. And I remembered again, because I already knew that. But again, I had to remember that. I had to repent again. And allow that Christ to be formed in a new way in me again. I, I was, uh, went to a minister's meeting down in Lower Hearts. So Friday morning I sent a message to, I, I know one other minister in the hut, two other ministers in the hut, I think, and uh, one of them's Alex Yali down at um, Lower Hearts. And uh, I don't know how many of you know him, but I know Alex quite well. At, uh, I know when he walked into church for the first time in Unite Church as a 12-year-old, so, and many years after that when he left. Uh, anyway, so, and another guy called Paul Saunders, some of you may know. And I don't know Paul Saunders well, but we've run into each other a few times over the years. So I sent Paul Saunders, who's at Hope, sent a, a message saying, hey, can we you know, catch up sometime? He said, oh, there's a minister's meeting on down here. Why don't you come? So I went. So anyway, and after that, I was just thinking about one of the ministers I've been talking to and, and he'd tell me some of the stuff they were doing. And I started thinking, God, how come it's so different like this for him and this for me? And again, Holy Spirit, Paul, that's my business. Don't even think about it. There's no comparing. Discipline. What do you say? Those whom I love, I reprove in discipline again and again and again. Why? So Christ can be formed in us, but not only formed in us, so he comes out of us. That's in our, what's in our heart is going to shape that way we speak. going to be that which fills our head. Anyway, so we're going back to the scripture we read. And, and uh, these Galatians, who the scripture we call them Gentiles, these believers who lived in Galatia, so that's a, if you're not sure what it is, it's just an area, it's like the believers who live in Upper Hutt, the believers who lived in Galatia, he's saying, you have slipped. I introduced you to Jesus, a person, the Son of God, and you have slipped. And across the table from you, I brought Jesus, but now across the table from you, you've put principles. And, and if you've been following through the book of Galatians, he's talked quite a bit in chapter 3, or the end of chapter 2 and chapter 3, uh, about the law, but now he just used the word principles. He's just broadened it. Have we begun to get that freedom that comes when we begin to see more and more clearly that a new covenant we have with God is a person? His name is Jesus. Christ of Nazareth. And it never, it never becomes principles. So we have the question we could ask, are we being formed by principles? Or is Christ being formed in us.
Now, the way I see that in that text is at the start of that text, verses 8 and 9, he, in 10, he talked about how these Galatian Christians who had begun in, in Christ, and he says, how is it you're going back to those principles? They're not going back to the same ones. They had some you know, religious principles they lived by, and now along came an introduction to Jesus, but now they've just got principles that look you know, different. But he's saying they're the same thing. He's just broadened it, any principle. I've met many people say, oh, I'm a principled person. That's fine. What are you following? Principles of Jesus, because you can't follow both. Is Christ being formed in you, or are you forming yourself to principles? The two don't coexist. They're different covenants. They're different ways of, of, of existing and living. And so that's the question, because at the start of that it was, why are you going to principles? But the last part there, you heard it. This, this agony, oh, I'm just crying out that Christ will be born in you. I was uh, hearing a guy talking about the need to have binding and loosing and shifting spiritual things in the air and, and making sure we get the right government in the next season. I really don't have any idea what the right government is. Uh, I do have an idea. It's the government God sends out which this church will prosper. Um, and, and most of you would know this, and we had Mike here last week giving us some great stories that it seems that often the church prospers best in countries where the government isn't friendly. Uh, it's just observation. I, I don't know, you know, but it definitely looks like that when you, when you look through history and look at what's going on around the world. I'm getting sidetracked there, but, but that, that Christ formed in us because that's our intercession. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're carrying in us. Uh, at some form, as believers, we carry something. It's that Christ will be formed in us and that we would be formed in Christ and that his church would be formed in him. Principles or Christ. You don't get both. You're following a person or some list somewhere. I have some things that, are, that I'm working on. There's some thoughts that God has made very current in how I'm living my life. One of them is this. There's no filters. Anyone clicking what I might mean? No filters. You walk before me, no filter. No filter. You want to lead people to me so that there's no filters between them and me. But it's not a principle. It's just something that God's working in me so that I can have Christ formed in me. And I want to turn that into a principle and put it on the wall. But it is something I'm working, that, that a thought that God is working into me that I, I want to lead so there's no principles. We'll get into that again later. Formed by principles or Christ formed in us. The gospel is Christ formed in us. It's mysterious. But it's real. And I won't say any more there. We're going to go in. So we'll know we are slipping. So these Galatians had slipped. You see that in the text. They had slipped. They'd had something, they had lost it. He, he tells us, it's all the way through the book of Galatians. And, and I just thought we'd just put up a few things. We'll know we're slipping when. I've got three there. I think I started with about five or six thoughts, so we'd know. But, but these three are clearly in the text. And maybe you'll see yourself here a little bit. You'll probably see some Christian somewhere, if you've been a Christian for very long, uh, in this 
will know we're slipping when we sacrifice relationship on principle or opinion. And uh, we saw that in the text. He said, once you, you would have done anything for me, you treated me like I was an angel, you just were generous to me, you were hospitable to me, you, you just honoured me, you, you gathered me and I wasn't well and you looked after me. Now you're treating me like an enemy. When it was just Jesus, you treated me like I was Jesus himself. That's not a bad thing, really. Because Jesus says, as you treat the least of them, you're treating me. But now that you're caught up with principles, you're going around making enemies of people who don't have the same principle across the table from you. Who's the winner? Not Jesus. Not the gospel. Not you. Not them. The only winner in all that is the devil. Stealing. Killing relationships, destroying potential, you'll know you're slipping when you find yourself wanting to sacrifice a relationship over a principle or your opinion. The Bible says in, in uh, Romans 12, I think it says something similar in Hebrews 12, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. You can't force them to be at peace with you but your spirit going towards them is always an offer of relationship. It doesn't mean you agree with everything going on in their life, but you're not looking to push them away or cut them off. No matter how evil they look in your judgment. What do we see Jesus doing? Well, no, yeah, going on. Well, no, we're slipping when? Joy is fading. Verse 15, uh, in the text we read, I said something about joy, didn't it? I can't remember what it says, but in the ESV, English Standard Version, it says, you know, your blessed, what happened to all your blessedness? Uh, the old NIV, you know the NIV got updated a number of years ago, and they made quite a few edits, and uh, this was one place they made an edit. So on the one before, I think it was around 2008 or something, the one before, it had, what happened to your joy? Then they changed it to blessedness, and I used to get caught out with it. So it's in on my desk. I was reading uh, an NIV I'd had since the 80s. And then the guys doing the slides were using the more current <laughs> version because I was just downloading and we were <laughs> having little mishaps. Uh, yeah, we were over them. What happened to your joy? What's it like? What happened to that sense of the blessed and the goodness of God in your life? What happened to the sense of the... <laughs> yeah, you'll know you're slipping from Christ being formed in you to following principles because you'll be losing your joy. You'll be using the sense of freedom, blessedness. It's not just Jesus. It's now, I've got to get this right and I've got to get that right. And what about this? And I'm sort of stuck on this one because I'm not too sure what it means. And I've got lots of things like that. But actually, they're not across the table from me, so it doesn't matter. God will sort them out in his time. I don't have to get all hung up on them if I don't understand them. I just want Christ formed in me. Psalm 51, verses 7 to 12. I think it's pretty important for at least one person here this morning that I share these verses. 
So it might be you. So listen really close. Psalm 51, 7 to 12. For a couple of years ago, I spent a lot of time in these scriptures and I realized what God was doing. He said, Paul, you have to keep your joy and your sense of being blessed high. I started doing this a number of years ago, not too many, a number of years ago. I get up in the morning, some of you will pick up a time I, I write in a journal almost every morning. And basically, it's my way of just engaging God. And I, <clears throat> I just wrote down, Good morning, Holy Spirit, I am blessed. Then I think about what's going on. Uh, think about how I feel, think about my thoughts. But I want to start off with that sense, I'm in the blessing of my salvation. Now I've got some issues, God, help me here, help me there. Uh, but I start blessed. And, and this, these verses were really meaningful, particularly we get down to verse 12. But listen, he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. And, and some of us will know, he's talking about the hyssop stick used to sprinkle the blood. So it's a reference to the blood of Jesus. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Listen, somebody. Create in me a clean heart, O God. It's a gift. Clean heart is a gift. It's a work of God. It's received come to communion. A clean heart is a gift. It's received. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Just listen. Let your heart hear this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm praying to Jesus. And I'm saying, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Father, I pray for uh, those people in this room that you know you want to restore their joy, their blessedness, their sense of freedom. And now would be a moment where their hearts are just saying, Father, restore me the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. See, when we're doing it, the principles across the table from us, we're trying to save ourselves. It may be totally Christian-sounding. Zealous for many things of God. And they might be all scriptural. But only Jesus saves. And it's his salvation that saves me. His salvation that saves me. So we'll know we're slipping when our joy is fading. Oh, that's what I was meant to mention. Moses, you know the story in, in um, Moses when he went and spent time with God and came out with a shiny face, and he covered it because it faded. And in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, in the old covenant, there's a glory, but the glory is a fading glory. But in the new covenant we have in Christ, there's a glory that is an ever-increasing glory. So if you are trying to form your Christian life or 
life in some way from principles. It's like living on a spiritual roller coaster. We get a few things right. We get our mind, oh, I got that one now. I understand that one now. Whoa, up. Then we hit another one. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Got down. Um, or, oh, I, I felt like I did some things right last week. Up. Next week, oh, I didn't so, do so good. Down. Oh, I just got to have Jesus there. If I don't understand it, he knows it. Doesn't matter. I can live with that now. Better than him. Because it's an ever-increasing glory. An ever-increasing sense of freedom and joy and blessedness in him. We'll know we are slipping when our joy is fading. And thirdly, we'll know we are uh, slipping when we are zealous to please people. Now, this is out of verse 17 in what we read. And uh, I think I should read it again because I want to read it in the ESV. But it, it's an intriguing thing. If you just read the first part of the verse and then the, the latter part of the verse, you, you get this little um, picture. So verse 17, it reads this. They make much of you. So these other Christian leaders and teachers who had come in and taught them to follow principles about the gospel rather than just to follow Jesus, they make much of you. Then we take out the middle, and it says that you may make much of them. They make much of you so that you will make much of them. He, he puts in here, um, this one doesn't, some versions use the word zeal. They want you to be zealous. They're zealous for you because they want you to be zealous for them. It talks about we need to know what to do with zeal. We should really only be zealous for Jesus at that sort of, in our heart level. How many people notice this? They make much of you that you'll make much of them. How many people have been around church for a while and you've been in a church somewhere Then when you're making much of the leaders, they make much of you. As soon as you stop making much of the leaders, it's like you don't exist anymore. You're not here to make much of me and you're not here to make much of Awakened City Church. We just want to make much of Jesus. He can look after me and he can look after you and he can look after what he wants to do with Awakened City Church. So our zeal is for him. For him. We'll know we're slipping when we're zealous to please I don't see myself as above any person. I don't see myself as having any followers. I understand I have a responsibility and a call and to bring some things into the body of Christ around me where God puts me. But it doesn't put me above anyone. I am not anyone's filter. Each of us sit with Jesus across the table. Nothing in between when we come to Jesus. And actually now when I, you know, you stop and think of that, I think, oh, and to try and put myself in between, that'd be pretty, pretty scary. We've got to sometimes help God to help us to be a bit more discerning about what honour means. 
and what leadership means. So I have a role, but it doesn't elevate me. It doesn't make me your filter with God. And no one else should be either. We've got a few more things to say. Well, no, we're slipping when we are zealous to please people and, uh, and others, leaders. So we need new beginnings again and again and again. Oh, I can't read that up the back. I need to get a bigger somehow, Sarah, a little line, because then I wouldn't have to turn here. Um, again and again and again, don't we, till Christ has formed us. We just live in this. And one of the, the, the problems of this is, what got here? Yeah. No, it's too small. Not the car, it's not the light, uh, Logan. Yeah. Um, the new always begins in a grave. How many of you found that? You know, you're walking up, it's like you go in and out, into the grave again, into the grave again, into the grave again. And, and it's like every time there's a new beginning, there's something dying. There's something dying. We, we have here our communion table. And it's only in the centre because I am a totally traditionalist Church of Christ sort of person who just thinks the communion should be absolutely in the centre of the room. And if you take the table out of the, no, it's not. <laughs> my, my first experience at Church of Christ, I moved the, um, at Church of Christ, I moved the communion table a few inches because um, I just wanted to be able to get past it. Some of you would remember the power, those overhead projectors that we put things on. Yeah. <laughs> so when I preach, I might want to put something on it. And, and it, it took one whole step out of that whole process to move the communion table about nine inches because instead of going around the corner, I could just cut the corner. And, and yeah, well, that created a bit of... Uh, a bit of, um, there were some people who had some principles about where the communion table should be. <laughs> but, you know, we're free, we can do what we want. But we have here symbols of, of the broken body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Do we, we remember every week, every day, that our faith comes out of a grave? Our faith is in the blood of a crucified man. That every new beginning I have, as Christ has formed in me, is going to have something to do with, there's going to be something dying at the same time. For the seed that goes down the ground that produces the new beginning dies. And we get to take a piece of bread and remember what Jesus did with his body. That when he lived in his body on earth, that he lived by faith in his Father in heaven. He trusted him implicitly and completely, and, and then he, and explicitly as well. It was obvious to everybody. And then he died, trusting God. And so I take that bread and I remember I live by the faith of Jesus. Christ's faith is being formed in me as I trust his faith for me. And so I, he says, if you don't eat of my body, you have no part of me. So I eat of his faith, of his walk, his body. You know, we do this. We get a, 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 a cup that represents the blood of Jesus. And we say, well, what did Jesus do with his blood? Well, the Bible says he poured out his blood for the salvation of many people. His blood is like the love of God being poured out for people to actually come and know God. He laid down his life for others. And then I remember, oh, so I live for my life to be poured out. 
that's communion. There's always a death and a resurrection. As Christ is formed in us, we remember there's always a grave. To have a new way of living, an old way dies. Think of Mary when, when she conceived, Jesus was conceived in his, her uh, womb. She died. To being, uh, how do you call it? A lady without a baby in her womb. I mean, many of you have been through that, ladies. Yeah? So everything changes. You can no longer be the same person. You are the same person, but you know what I mean. No, but you're not. This, you have to die to something to live to the new thing. And uh, so um, every new thing begins in a grave, and what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that, that's important. So we're going to have to just take a couple more minutes on that because this Christ being formed in us is like going through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and I think some of us, we, that's where we get trip up a little bit. Well, that's where we decide it's getting a bit hard. I'm not, you know, I'm not going any further. And I wonder if we just didn't understand that's part of the process. That the new of God always comes out of the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus gave us plenty of hints. Unless a man take up his cross daily and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. You know? um, there's a valley there. So, so this valley of the shadow of the death, it's a dark place at times. It's a dark place at times. When if you, you live in just for Christ before you, there's times when it's just dark. When that sea goes down on the ground and cover it up, it's just dark. And if you've been there, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because when you end up in that dark place, you sort of wonder, God doesn't tend to shine a light on you. And you'll just feel like he's leaving you there. And it's dark and it's not totally like isolated, but it can feel lonely. And what God wants you to learn in that place is that his light shines into your heart. And you can be in the ground, covered up with soil, feeling like it's dark and feeling like it's lonely, but then you discover within you, Christ is being formed in you. And while you're busy waiting for someone to show up and shine a light on you, God said, no, no, I've shone it in your heart. And learn to allow what I've shone in your heart to begin to grow in you. It can be a dark place. It's a valley of the shadow of death. It can be confusing. Because we, we develop some ideas of what it means to be a Christian. There's a guy I've been uh, listening to recently, David Watson. Uh, and uh, there's various David Watsons around. So this guy's disciple making movement sort of stuff. And, and he was saying something on a talk recently I listened to. He said, don't ever, if someone asks you a Christian, don't ever say yes. Don't ever say yes. He says, ask them, so, so what do you mean by what a Christian is? And then when they tell you what they think a Christian is, you'll probably say, no, I'm not that. Don't say yes and endorse their idea of what a Christian is. You know what I'm saying here. It, it, it's like we get these mindsets of what a Christian is, and we pick them up from the world around us and Christian world and somehow oh, I'm amazed at how people brand new to the Christian faith in the youth and being only there a short amount of time 
and come from homes that have no seemingly godliness and they've already got some weird thoughts about what a Christian is. I think the devil's pretty good at trying to get people thinking stuff that'll cause them to sit with principles. And so it gets pretty confusing because you go through a season that what you thought you knew, you realise you didn't know. And again, we've got to learn to trust what God is doing in our hearts. And it is good to have some people around you can talk to. I'm not cut that off, but, you know, there's a valley of the shadow of death. And what are you going to do when God leads you into the valley of the shadow of death so he can form Christ in you? And he wants to strip away some of the principles you thought were really important. And he comes along and says, yeah, they're okay, but they're not that important. Or they're important, but they're not sitting across the table from you. You know, they're just in the periphery. Because when you get in there, there's a, there's a grief that comes. And it's valid. But grief can either lead us to faith or unbelief. And we want to be those who in those times, as he's saying here, come on, don't get caught up with what's going on in the principles, but learn to tune in to what the Holy Spirit is doing in forming Christ in us. You're hearing that? So if you're going to be a growing disciple of Jesus Christ, you're going to go through these valleys of the shadow of the devil. It's going to feel like, oh, you know, the labor of childbirth that he talked there. And in those moments is when you discover that God is in me. He is with me. Because you know, he's not going to come. He, he doesn't. seems to do this for new Christians a bit. But my experience, he, he doesn't do a lot of just dropping things and clearing the way. You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, here's what I want to say. When he says, my word is a light to your path. It's not like God's coming from heaven a light directly in front of you so you know where to go. It's like God shines his light into your heart from his word and then you step out with that light in you. And while we're waiting for God to shine the light showing us where the next step is, he's trying to show us it's in you. I'm forming Christ in you. I've shined my word into your heart so when you open your heart up, I'll shine. If you're sitting there looking out there and wondering what's going on everywhere else, maybe you won't see much. He says, how I'm again in the pains of childbirth till Christ is formed in you. Let's better quit here. So here's the last slide I have. I do not set aside, he said, this is in Galatians 2.21, the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Because the verse before that is, for I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. In this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up to me. So I do not set aside the grace of God. When I put anything else across the table from me, using that picture that I had at the start, and we know there's lots of ways of picking it, I set aside, then Jesus Christ, I set aside the grace of God. Give me a couple of minutes here, then we'll, we'll wind up. promises and the principles 
and the prophecies and whatever else and all the blessings of God have all been given away. Somebody's already got them. And if I show up as Paul Burton, there's none for me. And if you show up as you, there's none for you either. Some of you getting this? They've all gone. Some of you will remember the story of Esau and Jacob when Isaac is blessing them and Jacob snuck in and he got the blessing and Esau shows up and says, you got them for me? No, I don't. I gave it all to Jacob. I gave it all to Jacob. I gave all the blessing of airship to Jacob. He gets it all. I can find some of you, but no, that's not the blessing. And it's all on Jesus. Every promise is in Jesus. Every blessing of God is in Jesus. And if I, if I sit in Jesus, it's no longer I who does, but Christ who lives in me. They're in me. But they're not in me as Paul Burton. They're in Paul Burton and in Jesus Christ. We don't pick up a promise from the Bible and say, oh, I've got it. God said it. It's mine. No, it's in Jesus. And I step into Jesus and God says, oh, no, you can have it. And the grace comes. There's no grace outside of Jesus Christ. We come to communion and we come into Jesus Christ. We come into this blood, this body. And he says, there's my grace. There's my promises. There's my blessing. The life is in the blood. It's not in the principle. It's in the blood. It's not in the promise on the page. It's in the blood. The life and the promise is in the blood. It's in the blood. And so we want to be those who have that laser focus. This is just one thing. Jesus. I do not set aside the grace of God. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If we could get anything, become anything, make any advance with God, apart from Christ, he's saying, Jesus died for nothing. It's either all Jesus or no Jesus. So we're inviting you today to come and just sit with Jesus across that table and nothing else. Whatever you need today, God can bring it to you. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in a relationship with a person, not a relationship with a principle, not a relationship with a prophecy, not a relationship with a promise, not a relationship with something else. That sounds godly. It's with Jesus. Jesus.